I invite you to take your scriptures and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll look once again at, at love. We've, uh, we're all the way to verse the second half of verse 4. We're just flying through this chapter, but uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me begin reading with verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Let's pray. Our Father, we, as we come tonight, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. Lord, it's, it's one thing to hear your word spoken, even to read it and even to think about it slightly. But Lord, we pray tonight for your Holy Spirit to be present and to teach and to instruct us. Lord, to, to open our ears and our hearts and our wills and our minds to receive your word. Father, to see ourselves in the text. Lord, to see how this lays over in our life. And Father, I pray that not only would we see ourselves more clearly, but we would see you more clearly. And God, understand the hope that we have only in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. So we read that text uh, every week, but it just reminds us as we look at the first three verses of this text, the preeminence of love, how important love is in the life of the believer, but then also looking at the properties of love in verses four through seven. And so tonight, what we're going to do is we've, we looked last week uh, that love is patient and love is kind. So we sort of looked at what love is, and we see that love not only is patient to to accept offenses from others, but when people do wrong us in the way that they treat us, that we are not to treat them like-mindedly, but instead we are to have patience and then show kindness to them uh, as Christ has done for us as well. So tonight what we want to do though is look at something a little bit different, not what love is, but what love is not. And tonight I just wanna take just a, a couple of uh, things and that is to understand that love does not envy nor does it boast. Love does not envy. In other words, love is the opposite of envy. So what is envy? Well, envy is defined as being dissatisfied with and opposed to the prosperity and happiness of others as compared with our own. Okay, let me say that again. It's being dissatisfied with and opposed to the prosperity and happiness of others as compared with our own. In other words, envy does not like it when others have something better than us. You know, it's uh, there's a sense of our uh, a superiority that comes when others have a greater position of honor, maybe prosperity or, or happiness. 
And it is our nature as human beings to desire to be the greatest. And we find it very, very difficult, do we not, in our natural flesh when we see others above us or others succeed more than us. It may not even be that they have to be superior to us, even when they become rivals with us. And uh, it can sometimes be very difficult. And this isn't something new to human nature. We, we see this in scripture. We've already read tonight of Joseph and his brothers in, in Genesis 37. His brothers envied him when they heard his dream, but they envied him even before that as he received this, this fancy coat from his father. And, uh, but when they said that they were going to bow down to their younger brother, that was very difficult to hear. But we also see envy in other places, even earlier in Scripture, with Cain and Abel, the, the first children of Scripture. You know, Cain was envious that the Lord found Abel's sacrifice acceptable in his sight, even going so far for this brother to kill his brother because he was so angry with him. And envy was very much alive in the church at Corinth as well. There was a lot of tension and strife People always sort of boasting and bragging about themselves and their gifts and who they were in the Lord. And yet never really grasping what Paul said in, in uh, chapter 12, uh, that those parts of the body that are unseen are the most important. Since you have your scriptures open there, just look back at chapter 12, verses 22 through 25. Paul says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it and there may be that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Unfortunately, the Corinthian believers did not really grasp that. And instead, there was a lot of competition in the church, which did cause a lot of division. So rather than the body, the church caring for one another and loving one another and delighting that others were blessed beyond them, they promoted themselves, which brings us to the second part, that love not only does not envy, but it does not boast. The, the other side of envy is boasting, if you think about it. It's really very much like two sides of the same coin. You know, if envy really doesn't like it when other people uh, prosper compared to ourselves, we're fine if they prosper and it doesn't affect us. But if they prosper and it somehow threatens our position or what we think others think of us, then we get very upset. So how do you remedy that from a human perspective? You boast or you brag about yourself. You want everybody to know how good you are. And you know, uh, if, you, if you have children or, or grandchildren or nieces or nephews, or even if you've just been in the church around little kids, you know that you never have to teach that to little kids to brag and to boast about themselves. They're, they're very good at that. And part of that is because that is something that's been around almost since the beginning. Even before Satan and his angels were cast out of heaven, Lucifer rebelled against God and thought that he was better 
than God. And so he led this rebellion, which caused him to be cast out of heaven and uh, and shown that he wasn't as great as, as what he thought he was. And so in our natural state, we are prone to promote ourselves and to dislike or even despise when others are blessed more than us. And it's not just in, in, our, in our flesh that we struggle with that, but even in the world in which we live, it, it teaches us to promote ourselves. You know, I just think about when you fill out a resume, there's a, there's a sense in which, what are you trying to do when you're filling out that resume? You have to sell yourself, you know, and then when you get the job, then you have to work hard to keep that and to show your boss that, you know, you're more valuable than the person who's sitting next to you or who does the same thing to you. And just our lives are sort of revolve around this whole idea of trying to keep ourselves in a good light uh, compared to those that, that are around us. And pride and boasting are seen as assets and tools to get ahead of life rather than tools that drive wedges between us and others and leads to a life of loneliness and alienation from one another and from God himself. And so that's the nature of envy and boasting. But what is the evidence of envy in our hearts? If we're honest, we all wrestle with this sense of envy and boasting. We can recognize that envy has captured our hearts if we cannot rejoice in other people's success and prosperity. Not only does envy find it difficult to rejoice when others are blessed, but envy often takes every opportunity to pull others down as well. You know, it's not enough that, you know, that they not, um, you know, that we can't rejoice in that. There's just something in us that seems to want to drag people down. Think about Haman, if you would, in the book of Esther and how much Haman despised Esther's uncle, Mordecai. Even though Haman had a family, he had riches, he, he was an advisor to the king, Haman uh, just couldn't stand that Mordecai was seen in a positive light in the king's eyes. And so we read in Esther chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, how Haman had been invited to a feast by the queen. And only he had been invited. So this is what we read. It says, Then Haman said, Even Queen Esther let no other, no one but me come with the king to the feast she prepared. And tomorrow also I am invited by her together with the king. I mean, that was a, quite an honor, he, he thought. But then he goes on and he said, Yet all this is worth nothing to me, so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. There was such envy in his heart that he could not stand it. And it is from such a spirit of envy that the envious person stands ready to rejoice at anything that happens to diminish the honor and the comfort of other people. In other words, the only thing that envy can rejoice in is when others fail or when they are brought low. Envy can have a strong, such a strong grip on us uh, that it can tempt us to speak poorly of others, even when we don't know them. I just think about the times I hear people have conversations about politicians or about movie stars or other public figures. And we always have an opinion, don't we, about what we think of these people, even though we've never met them and we've never sat down and we've never talked to them. 
You know, I think we're just, it's so easy for us to tear others down. So often it's not enough for envy to despise what others have, but also we despise the person themselves. We think about Joseph's brothers in Genesis 37, where it says, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. But then they go on and said, now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. It wasn't just the fact that he was blessed, but they actually hated their brother. And they were so consumed with this envy for their brother and the hatred that was stirred up inside of them that they did terrible things. I mean, honestly, what they sought to do was to kill him. Now, that is a, a strong motivation of hatred to want to kill your brother. But they settled on just selling him into slavery, you know, because that that's uh, that's where they ended up. But still, nonetheless, an awful place to be. And it's it's important to see that the real test here is to see how we react when someone else is doing well or successful at something. You know, how do we respond when they post a job at work and our best friend gets it instead of us? Or, or, or ladies, how, how do you respond when another mom seems to have her life all together and that of her kids and she seems to be the perfect mom, especially when you feel so inadequate and like everything in your life is out of control? Or, or how do you respond when all your friends are getting married and, and you desire that and yet you're still single? Or how do you respond when all the other kids in the neighborhood have all these really cool toys and all these neat things and all you get is your brother's hand-me-downs? Or how do you feel when you study and you study and you study and the kid next to you doesn't even crack a book Harley, and he gets an A and the best you could pull off is a C? There's just so many ways in which our hearts envy that which other people have. And at the root of envy is our lack of trust in God and a disbelief that God is good and that he gives us only what is good for us and what causes us to be like Jesus Christ. And so we very much, I'm sure, can can appreciate and understand the envy that uh, Paul is talking about here to the Corinthian church. And we understand it's not just for that church. It's for this church, our church as well. But Christian love is like unlike envy and boasting. In numerous scriptures, we're warned against envy because God loves us and he does not want us to give ourselves to such awful things that destroys our relationships and that destroys us. And so we read passages like this in Romans 13, 13, that says, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy or envy. And so he likens envy to orgies and drunkenness and sexual immorality. He sees it as a very serious thing. And even we read in Galatians 5, 21, and I'm just picking out a few verses. I, I have to tell you, I, I was shocked at how much the scriptures talk about envy. I, I knew sort of that it talked about envy, but I was not aware of, of how often that, that is used in scripture in the warning against being envious. But Paul, talking about the works of the flesh, he says, uh, he mentions envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. 
and, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but that is very sobering for me to hear that. The envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, people who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that does not mean that a Christian is not tempted to, to envy, but even when a believer is tempted, he sees the envy of his heart and he despises it. What Paul is talking about is someone who gives themselves to envy, someone who doesn't care, who is, is jealous towards others and, and their hearts are hard towards that and they don't see anything wrong with that. But for a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is not our family resemblance. My heavenly father is not an envious uh, father. Your heavenly father is not an envious God. And so when the believer sees the envy of his heart, he despises it. He understands that envy is contrary to the nature of the spirit of God. And he sees it to be a revolting and a hateful attitude and is grieved whenever he sees it in his life. So much so that the Christian is alarmed when he sees envy in his own heart and he seeks to fight against it, asking God's Holy Spirit to root out this sin in his heart. But the Christian does not simply want to see the actions of uh, the result from envy to be done away with, but the very root of that sin in their heart, that very sin of the lack of trust in God and disbelief that God is truly good, that the place where the Lord has put me in my life, the circumstances of my life are exactly where God wants me to be. And as hard as it may be, as difficult as it may be, the Lord has a good purpose to have me there. So the obedient believer wants to be content with what the Lord has given him and his situation in life. So whether our rank is to be that of the angels in heaven above or, or the beggar who sits at the, the city gate, the Christian is satisfied where the Lord has him because the focus of the Christian's life is not upon ourselves but to please the Lord. So like the Apostle Paul, if we have such a Christian spirit, we can say with Paul in Philippians 4.11, I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. But not only does a Christian love resist the envy of our hearts, but it also rejoices in the prosperity of other. Paul expresses this attitude in Romans chapter 12, verse 15. And he says this about Christians. He says that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice. We are also to weep with those who weep, but we are to rejoice with those who rejoice. We are to be thankful for the way that the Lord is blessing them. But we can only love others like this if we truly understand and experience the love of Christ in our lives. And the events of Easter remind us that envy and boasting are contrary to the nature and the work of God in this world. The Father, you know, as we think about the Father and, and of Christ's crucifixion, we see how far God is willing to go to show us honor and blessedness that we do not deserve. And how he withheld nothing 
to, dis, to bestow these most blessed of all blessings on us, God did not even resent giving us his only begotten son and the very, lo, the very uh, loved son whom was dearer to him than anything else he was willing to give up. And so that through Christ, he might shower, brothers and sisters, not sprinkle, not give us a few, but shower upon us the highest of honor and blessings that anyone could have. Even though we were enemies of God, God so loved us. And God the Son so loved us as well. Jesus Christ, very God of very God, set aside his glory and came to earth and he spent his life here upon this earth in labor and in suffering, refusing to use the authority that he had to deliver himself from wicked men and instead suffered even to the point of shedding his blood upon the cross, upon this Roman torture device. Nor does Christ begrudge that one day that we will be able to spend eternity with him in heaven. Even though we are so low that we despise God, that we rebelled against God and lived in sin, God did not see it unfit to raise us up, to, to not seek to put us down, for God not to try to continue to be above us, but for God to raise us up as children of God. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that Christ came into the world to deliver us from the power of Satan, and especially Satan's envy towards us, when he envied the happiness that mankind had in the Garden of Eden. Satan couldn't bear to see Adam and Eve happy, and so Satan exerted himself to the utmost to bring mankind to ruin by tempting the first man, Adam and Eve, to sin and to rebel against God. But the gospel of Jesus Christ teaches us that Christ came into the world to destroy the works of the devil and deliver us from that misery that evil has brought upon us and to purify our natures from every trace of envy that we may be fit uh, to spend eternity with God in heaven. Oh, how far Jesus was from a spirit of, of envy, how content he was in, in the low estate in which he came voluntarily placing himself in that place that he might do his father's will and purchase a people for himself. The only way that we can resist our focus being upon others and upon ourselves is if we love the Lord Jesus Christ. Then and only then are we free to look to the needs of others. Only then can we praise our Lord and our God. So what does that mean for us tonight? Well, it should lead us to examine ourselves and to see whether there is any degree in which we have an envious spirit, in which we are boasting, in which we are promoting ourselves. It may be that we have seen others prosper more than us and we felt that somehow God has left us behind or that God has passed us over. And we think, Lord, I've been more faithful than those brothers and sisters and yet this is my lot in life. Or it may be that much of our lives have been filled with trials and difficulties and we see the blessings of others and it is hard for us to rejoice in them. And maybe we've even sought to put others down 
Maybe our tongues have been one of gossip and one of tearing other people down because really it comes from an envious heart. But brothers and sisters, we need to cherish the hope that is ours, that is the character of God's children, that they have been filled with a new spirit, even the spirit of Christ. And let it then be evident to all that such is your spirit by exercise of love that does not envy and that does not boast towards other people. I think of the words of James chapter 3, James 3, verse 13. James 3, 13 through 16 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have a bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And I think that's the thing that struck me as I was studying this sermon on envy is to see how many other sins come out of a spirit of envy towards other people. And yet that is not who we are as children of the living God. Envy feeds on the ruin of others and the exaltation of ourselves and the eyes of others. But in the language of Solomon, we need to remember his warning. He says in Proverbs 14:30, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. The hope of Easter is that Jesus Christ has died. He has rose again from the dead, that those who acknowledge their proneness to pride and to self-promotion and a desire to be delivered, that Christ will set us free truly to enjoy the joy and the peace that we may have. Brothers and sisters, how is it that our God has promised us not only eternity in heaven, but that we will rule with him one day? That we will be with the throngs to stand before him forever and ever and ever, never any end. And we have received not only the blessings that we have received here upon this earth, but we will have this glorious eternal blessing that we have. And why is it so that we so quickly forget such love and we seek to compare ourselves with one another and to even try to promote ourselves above one another. Oh, it is my prayer that we would be a people that love the Lord, love him and understand how deeply we are loved and that we might delight in that, that we might rejoice to see others Exalted, that we, rather than seeking to tear them down, that we may be there to promote them and encourage them, even at our expense. May we be like our older brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, as his spirit works in us to love one another. You know, I, I think about Psalm 73. And Psalm 73 is about Asaph, who's a worship leader in the temple. And Asaph looks around and he sees the unrighteous and he sees that they drive nice cars or nice chariots, I guess. And, you know, all their teeth 
are straight, their kids' teeth are straight, and, you know, they live in nice houses. And, and he says, and my heart envied for those things. And he said, I almost stumbled because of that. That's where envy can lead us. But Asaph said that I, I went into the temple of the Lord and I was reminded of their outcome. And, and I would suggest, and I hope I'm not imposing too much meaning upon this text, I think also he not only saw the outcome of the unrighteous, but he was reminded of the outcome of the righteous as well. And that God is a God who loves us and that we can rest in that love and we can know that our God is trustworthy and good. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for who you are. We thank you, O God, for the things that, that you have given us, that, Lord, you have delivered us from envy. You have delivered us from promoting ourselves and boasting. And, God, as we live in this world in which we do, this world in which you have placed us, we pray that we would be salt and light, Lord, that we would live differently that people would recognize that and where others are promoting themselves and, 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 and everything rides upon their shoulders, that they would see the peace that rests upon us, oh God, as we rest in you and trust you, Lord, for our jobs and our positions and, and the good things uh, that only we can have in Jesus Christ. We thank you and pray this in your name. Amen.